Coming up on This Week in Games, is Nintendo poised to take on Disney or Netflix? One hedge fund seems to think so. Epic concedes to the Google Play Store, and Facebook aims at Twitch as it spins off gaming into its own separate app. Coming up, This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and this was yet another jam-packed quarantine game industry week. Lots of breaking news, lots of business deals getting done, a lot to run down. Let's get started. But first off, I've switched back to mono uh, audio instead of stereo. Sounds a lot better. I don't know why I switched to stereo. Um, it was very light and hard to hear. I think it's clearer as mono. I'll leave it as mono. So let's kick it off. Activist investor invests over a billion dollars in Nintendo, saying it has the ability to expand into other digital media and take on Disney and Netflix. So this was a really interesting story to unwrap. Reuters is reporting to have seen a letter by Value at Capital Partners LP reporting they have built over a $1.1 billion stake in Nintendo over the last year, starting in kind of like middle of April in 2019. Now, Value Act Capital Partners LP is a privately owned hedge fund with an estimated $9.269 billion under management. Value Act sees Nintendo as not just a dominant player in the video game space, but as having a very bright future as a broader entertainment company. $1.1 billion in Nintendo gets you 2.6 million shares, or about 2% of Nintendo, according to Reuters. A Nintendo spokesperson commented on the stake saying, quote, We're aware that Value Act is holding a stake and we have engaged in a dialogue with them. We don't disclose content of our dialogue with our investors, end quote. Most activist investors, you know, famously, you'll see them on Bloomberg or CNBC, or if you read the Wall Street Journal or the Financial Times, they'll be on there like yapping and bitching and trying to put public pressure on companies to change. But according to Reuters, Value Act prefers to keep things quiet and work with leadership behind closed doors, trying to get Nintendo to see the optimistic future that they themselves saw when they invested in Nintendo. So there's a lot more to this story, which I encourage everyone to read. The link is in the show notes. Um, you know, Nintendo is famously a very conservative company, extremely conservative, and outside of, you know, crazy console controllers, very rarely strays from their proven path. Um, it took years to get into mobile, and that venture didn't prove fruitful enough for Nintendo to really like fully invest into mobile as a new platform. Also, you can't ignore the culture of you know Japan kind of protecting their marquee companies or companies that they see as like significant to Japanese culture from foreign influence. So I'm surprised Value Act was able to secure such a large chunk of Nintendo without you know the government talking to them. Maybe they did. Maybe it's just not being reported. Yeah, you know, I could see a world where Nintendo competes with Disney. Like, you can easily see uh, Pokemon, um, Zelda, uh, some of the Mario franchises, all of these spinning off into different properties for different age groups, kind of like Disney did with Star Wars and Marvel. However, I don't think Nintendo will ever make that leap if it involves any significant risk, and Nintendo truly just isn't set up as... A media company in that capacity is the same reason why like why is disney failed at disney interactive 20 million times and has basically given up and just licensed out disney content because disney isn't a company to make video games i don't know if nintendo is a company to make kind of like multi-tiered media offerings 
that would like go on a streaming service or be seen in theaters outside of obviously Detective Pikachu. Interesting story. I encourage everyone to check it out. You, you rarely see this happen where like a billion dollars gets poured into a, you know, a pretty old company like Nintendo, who's very conservative, trying to get them to realign, you know, their entire strategy. Very interesting. All right. This is also groundbreaking. <laughs> Next up, Epic Games appears to have given in as Fortnite launches on the Google Play Store. So previously only available via sideloading, Fortnite is now officially on the Google Play Store for the first time. This is a milestone in a long battle. Over the 30% revenue cut Google wants for hosting your app on the Google Play Store, Epic rightfully says that Google simply hosting an app and doing lightweight security and user tracking isn't worth 30%, especially since Google collects all the data on your users and turns around and sells that data to competitors to use against you. Very true. <laughs> a month or two ago, I linked a great interview by Epic CEO Tim Sweeney breaking this issue down. An Epic spokesperson spoke to Polygon earlier this week, stating that it's changed its tune due to disadvantages Google puts on apps outside of the Google Play Store. Epic then released a statement further clarifying what these disadvantages were as they are, quote, through technical and business measures such as scary, repetitive security pop-ups for downloaded and updated software, restricted manufacturer and carrier agreements and dealings, Google Public Relations characterizing third-party software sources as malware, and new efforts such as Google Play Protect to outright block software attained outside the Google Play Store, end quote. Honestly, I'm sad. I mean, like Tim Sweetie is completely right about his gripes with the revenue cuts, but users and other developers don't seem, I don't know how to put this, like to be really intelligent enough to understand people defending monopolies like Google who make billions while offering very little to all the content creators they make billions off of isn't really fair or right. Um, but until consumers really change their discovery habits and their usage, I don't see monopolies changing. However, this is likely going to be a big issue over the next 10 years as Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Apple are getting increasing scrutiny by both sides of the aisle and basically like bipartisan, like we need to shut down these monopolies on everything from like them being accountable for content and their you know ability to have competitive marketplaces which are all fair this is you know well above my head and this involves like lots of legal and business uh concepts and theories um yeah not the place for this show for me to really pass like crazy judgment even though i throw around my opinion all the time however Sad to see Fortnite go on there. Also, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I can definitely see a world where, you know, Google can't do this. Apple can't have a lockdown on the iOS app store, and both of them have to let these other stores be competitive and prevalent and not shut them down. So hopefully things will turn out for Epic in the long run. But more Epic news. Well, I would say more rumor than news, to be honest. Epic is raising between report it to be raising between 500 million to 1 billion dollars at an valuation above their previous 15 billion dollar fundraising. So Bloomberg is reporting that Epic currently fund is fundraising to the tune of half a billion all the way up to triple commas at an evaluation above their 15 billion dollar previous fundraising round. Epic declined to comment to Bloomberg on this rumor. Epic previously raised 1.25 billion in 2018 from PC and venture monsters like KKR, Vulcan Capital, Kleiner Perkins, Caulfield Buyers, 
Iconic Capital and Axiomic Gaming. I haven't heard of the last one, Axiomic. In 2012, famously, Epic sold 40% of the company to Chinese giant Tencent, with Fortnite house party breaking records during the shelter in place that's currently going on, and Tim Sweeney dropping knowledge on the game industry at the Dice Award show. <laughs> I am behind everything Epic does right now. What is this money for? Who knows? Like, Maybe more acquisitions like House Party, maybe a war chest for more exclusivities for the Epic Game Store. Maybe they want to build a gaming phone to combat Apple and Android's monopolies. Who knows? I I don't know, but you know, Epic is heads and tails, they're the Microsoft of the game industry, meaning like every point of the game industry they're trying to have a footprint in and they're trying to have synergies between all these points and they're doing it very intelligently. You can see Amazon trying this too. Like they tried Lumberyard, they have Twitch, um, they tried multiple Amazon digital stores, um, even on mobile and on Kindle. You know, they've tried, but they failed. And Epic is really doing it and they know what they're doing. And it's, you know, they're right now North Star Game Company. <laughs> All right, next up. Facebook is spinning off Facebook games into its own app. So the New York Times has had the jump on Facebook launching their dedicated gaming app earlier this week. The app specifically targets Amazon-owned Twitch, Microsoft-owned Mixer, and Google-owned YouTube gaming, trying to make Facebook a destination for game streaming and news. I've covered this ad nauseum. All four of those uh, have been just paying off exclusivities for years now. I cover this stuff all the time on this podcast. You guys are bored of it. I'm honestly bored of it. You know, the only interesting tidbit about Facebook gaming is it doesn't monetize through forced advertisement, but instead it takes slight pieces of star purchases and stars are their premium currencies that users can buy to award and give streamers and it's basically a cash donation so facebook instead of like popping up at forced ads like twitch does um they're you know allowing you to sponsor your streamer through stars and they take a slight bit off of that maybe makes sense hard to say i mean i i don't know hard to say which one's better um there's so many interesting opportunities around gaming, social networks, and streaming. I feel like instead of outright copying Twitch, the big companies should have looked where Twitch is weak or who Twitch isn't serving or where they're strong and gone there. And I'm definitely not full bullish on Facebook gaming becoming a thing. I think Facebook should have went harder into some kind of like gaming social network, like real gaming social network, where streaming could have been a part of that, but not the main focus. Same thing with Google's YouTube gaming. Like... Uh, YouTube gaming could have been like, you know, I'm not going to do all the legwork for these companies, but YouTube gaming could have been a lot of things that leverage what YouTube is already strong at and what Twitch isn't strong at. Like famously, Twitch isn't strong at archived videos and searching archived videos and YouTube is, and it could have went harder into that. And Microsoft probably sh shouldn't be doing Mixer altogether. I don't know, but like this is, it's very weak, uh, launching a new app to take advantage of the shelter in place, sure, but yeah, I don't th think Facebook gaming is going to be a thing. They had a chance before mobile. It was the thing before mobile. It's no longer the thing. Try something else. You'll be the ahead of the line of VR for sure whenever that happens. All right, last news news stories. 2K Games opted to skip WWE 2K21 in favor of something else. So after WWE developer Ukes opted not to make WWE 2K20, 2K Games went with visual concepts only to release a game that basically infuriated fans and was considered much lower quality and riddled with game-breaking glitches than previous WWE 2K entries. 
2K Games decided to skip this year's offerings and announced their plans for the future of the series this coming Monday. Honestly, a good move, especially if this year's offering really isn't a significant step in the right direction as an apology letter for what was released last year. All right, business news. A lot of big shaking and moving business news. First up, still front group acquires Candy Rider. So GameIndustry.biz is reporting the acquisition machine known as the Silk Front Group has acquired another game studio in Candy Rider. Stillfront has companies like Stormate, Kixeye, Imperia Online, and Good Games under its belt. Candy Rider is known for the life simulator BitLife, as well as a slew of like smaller, what I call commodity games. This acquisition honestly was for an astonishing $74 million, $37.5 million in newly printed Stillfront shares, and $36.5 million in cash, as well as an earnout of up to an additional $120.6 million depending on Candy Rider's performances through 2022. Absolutely bonkers numbers there. I wonder if like the smaller games at Candy Rider had great user bases and Stillfront acquired them to offload those users into other Stillfront-owned games, or if Candy Rider's games like BitLife are secret smash hits. Either way, congrats, Candy Riders. Like, this is crazy. It's a lot of money. Um, you know, congrats. It, it like hit those earnout periods because, like, you know, 74 million plus 120 million equals a lot of money for a game company. Um, so, you know, good job, guys. Next up, Transcend Fund raises a clean 50 million to put into early stage game companies or services. So VentureBeat is reporting that the Transcend Fund is aiming to be the seed investors in the next billion dollar games, starting with a $50 million fund. Transcend's managing director is Shanti Burgle, whose resume includes EA, Fun Plus, Playfish, and Gree. And seems to know his way around the game industry, to be honest. This is a hot place to be. Um, I personally see more and more funds pumping up these seed venture and Series A rounds uh, to new heights in the game industry. You see companies going from earning like hundreds of thousands in their like seed or Series A to easily like getting above a million, maybe even three million for their seed and definitely like hitting five million for their Series A. And we're talking about like, you know, uh, not bad game companies, but game companies who are much smaller and like three years ago would be evaluated at much, much, much less than what they are now. If you're someone who's dreaming of starting a studio or making the next hit game, honestly, now couldn't be the better time to do it. There are so many VC funds that are fighting with publishers and other investors over the small amount of competent game studios or competent game developers starting out these days. The opportunity is pretty much everywhere, especially here where I live in San Francisco, everywhere. All right, next up, Opera Event, an influence platform, raises $5 million in a Series A. So this is a little interesting. Opera Event describes itself as a technology platform that connects content creators, teams, and sponsors to one, one another programmatically and at scale. So Opera Event, looking through it, reads like a marketplace for marketers to get influencers, an aggravator of influence influencers through their like kind of influencer management tech. The Series A was led by Antera Inc. and also included other investors such as Atlas Ventures. I would have doubts at which influencer esports companies would give a cut of their deals to an aggregator like Opera Event, but Opera Event claims to have over 60 esports teams currently on their platform so far. So I guess they could become kind of like the marketplace for influencers. Um, so good job. Sounds like you guys are doing pretty well. Next up, Reworks raises $4.3 million in a new venture round. The developers behind the new design home derivative game, Redicore, 
Redecor, Redecor, one of those two. Uh, Reworks raises a new venture fund, bringing their total fundraising to 5.8 million. The Helsinki-based studio's latest round was led by EQ2 Ventures and includes regular game industry investor Play Ventures. I feel like the space that Design Home blew up has been too crowded lately. However, I don't doubt I doubt that it's as dominant in European territories as it is in North American territories. So companies like Reworks really have room to expand and take advantage of that. Also, I have to like Reworks has been around for a while. I covered them much earlier on in the history of this weekend game. So 4.3 million in a new venture round, clearly doing pretty well. And uh, good luck to you guys. Finally, I'll wrap it up with two small stories. 1939 developers of the World War II themed CCG card game uh, Cards with a K, K A R D S, raises another funding round to the tune of 1.9 million. You know, I talked with uh, these developers at GDC 2019. I think that was the event. Don't quote me, and they probably don't remember talking to me, but. They seem really nice. Cards seem great. I'm really glad to see they're doing well. And uh, hopefully that 1.9 million, you know, has a big impact on cards. And finally, Author Digital and Supercom raised $5 million for a new IP development studio named Adapt Games that's going to be located in Seattle. They're currently working on multiple story-driven projects there. Good job. All right, that's it for this week in games. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave a comment and let me know how I'm doing. You can email me at eric at thisweekingames.com, E-R-I-C at thisweekingames.com. If you have any comments or suggestions on future story. And lastly, please check the show notes for any stories you heard on today's episode. I linked to the articles I got them from. All right, that's it for this week in games. I'm Eric McConnell. I'll see you guys next week. And we'll do another quarantine rundown of the game industry business news. Take care, guys.